I'm, I'm truly blessed to be here. I was telling Pastor in the back in the green room how, like, like the agenda's crazy and it's ludicrous and all that. Uh, there's a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic, by the way. <laughs> I've been in the presence of both. That's not the point right now, but that's just... But so with sincerity of heart and spirit, the assignments that we say yes to, it's going to sound like uberly, uberly spiritual. We have an intercessory prayer team and our staff is just very uh, spirit empowered, listening to God. And God said, you have to be at this conference. You have to connect with these pastors. So I'm not here. This is not a gig. Um, I'm here by divine appointment because y'all happen to have the best pastors on the planet. Help me honor, please. And then Pastor Ron and then Pastor Jennifer, we happen to have the same, yeah. All right, anyway, same publisher and, and Kim Bangs and Chosen Books and all that. That's pretty cool. How about that? That's just pretty awesome. All right, this is, I'm gonna get into what God placed in my heart. And, and, and if I speak in an accelerated manner, it is like you have no idea where I've been in the past nine days. Uh, and, and the anointing and the caffeine, all of that combined together. And, and yeah, and then my Puerto Rican background, you put all of that together and there's a lot of energy there. So uh, you, you may be seated for a second, but let me lay out what the spirit of God placed in my heart because it's, it's, we're living in, officially speaking, right now the world the, the time that we're living in, this historical timestamp has officially been deemed as the cuckoo for Cocoa Puff season. <laughs> Google that. Uh, so we were living in some crazy times. It's some unbridled, unprecedented times. And, and in an interview uh, some, some weeks ago, uh, I was asked you know, to, to contextualize via the conduit of a biblical narrative, how can, how can somehow we can create a comparative analysis, our current reality was something that happened in scripture. And, and I go back to the time of this amazing, influential prophetic voice that emerged in a very precarious time. This guy was powerful. He was a, a very unbelievably well-known prophet, the, the most recognized prophet of his generation. He had so many followers on his Instagram account. I mean, this guy was big. And and he, he, he would pray and God would answer. I mean, he would pray for crazy stuff and things would take place. This guy prayed for the drought and boom, a drought took place. And then he prayed for fire and fire came down and a barbecue and things happened. And, and then he prays for rain, hashtag best day ever. And, and God answers. I mean, this guy couldn't go wrong. Just pray, 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 God, God, pray. pray. And then the wife of the president, prime minister, whatever term, the king. She was really nasty on steroids. And, and she came along and when she heard about what took place with this prophet of Mount Carmel and, and she sent a message. And, and if she would be alive today, it would have been a tweet. She, First Kings 19.2, she really sent out a message and said, may the God strike me dead and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. What a declaration. So on one side, we have Jezebel's tweet. And this declaration, it, it speaks to a great degree, I would argue right now explicitly, to the current assault, the amount of spiritual warfare and darkness. This continual Jezebel declaration right now in our current day and age. On the other side of the equation, let me tell you 2 Kings 2.11. Here's her tweet. On the other side, we have this. As they were walking along, Elijah and Elisha, Talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle. So I want to speak to you on the subject matter, the threat versus the testimony. When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Touch the neighbor you like the most and tell him when heaven starts it. Hell cannot stop it. 
touch your other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate, and tell that neighbor. When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. This is Jezebel's tweet, the threat versus the testimony. On one side, we have the threat. On the other side, we have the testimony. The testimony will always be greater than the threat. What God has placed upon you will always be greater than anything hell can place in front of you. And that's the reality. Here we have the tweet. Here we have the Jezebel declaration. And here we have Elijah and his mantle. Hence the threat versus the testimony. And more than ever, more than ever, and that's why I'm here in Turlock this evening, more than ever I do believe there is a mantle, a fresh mantle of anointing descending upon God's children. The next thing to fill the earth, you can't drink the Kool-Aid, man. I don't give a holy hoot what you see on television. Whatever comes on from CNN, MSNBC, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, we don't discriminate here. We don't discriminate. Univision Telemundo. I don't care what you eat on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. I don't care. TikTok, if you're over 40 and you're on TikTok, repent. I don't care. And you're really weird. Anyway, but I don't care what you see on social media. I'm not the, the next thing to fill the earth. I don't care what you're reading right now. The next thing to fill the earth won't be a COVID 2021, 20, 23. It won't be a new political movement, a new social ideology, not even a new construct. The next thing to fill the earth will be the glory of the risen Christ Jesus. If you believe it, praise like you believe it. If you believe it, lift up your hands like you believe it. The next thing to fill your house, the next thing to fill your family, the next thing to fill your marriage, the next thing to fill your mind will be the glory of Jesus. Why? Because there is a mantle. And the mantle, the, the, which represents the testimony, the testimony will always be greater in the threat. And if you're taking any notes, and good luck with that. <laughs> Let me explain this mantle for a moment. The mantle that I'm referencing, that, that's really the mantle for in, in New Testament, New Covenant, vicarious, atoning, finished work of Christ expression, that mantle is an anointing. That anointing, 1 John 2, 27, is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. There is a fresh infusion of the Spirit of God coming our way that's about to shift everything. We are about to be redefined by what's coming. And I'm telling you, it's so powerful. And I know, like, you know, you're going to have your critics I don't, off the bat. We are about to see more people get saved than ever before in human history. I'll repeat that for the hearing impaired. We are about to see. We are about to see more people come to Jesus than ever before in human history. We are about to see more signs, more wonders, more healings, more miracles. We are about to see more of the glory of God. And it is, it is the mantle, if you're taking your notes, number one, it's the mantle of the Spirit. The mantle of 1 Kings 18, 46, the power of the Lord came upon this man of the mantle. It is the mantle of the Spirit. It's, it's a spiritual reality. Now, we, I'm not in denial. I'm not negating the fact that right now we're living in the days just like the days of Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal. Ahab was a, well, we're in Turlock, so I could use your language, was a mucho malo hombre. <laughs> so Ahab, I mean, very just bad. Matter of fact, Ahab was so bad, 1 Kings 16, 34, do your biblical due diligence. It was Ahab who had the audacity, the first king who ever dared give permission for the rebuilding of the walls of Jericho. Uh, let me explain that. The walls of Jericho brought down Joshua's march. Whoops, Came over, promised land, here we are. And no one would ever dare rebuild what God knocked down. Ahab comes along and says, I don't care. I give permission. I want you to rebuild what God knocked down. What we're seeing in America today. Yeah. 
the spirit of Ahab is trying to rebuild issues, ideas, even walls that separated us that God through his divine providence already brought down. And even some of the racial angst and tension we've seen recently, that's the spirit of Ahab. Trying to divide us by the color of our skin. Trying to divide us by ethnicity and whatever it may be. You know what the answer to that is? If you're looking for the donkey and the elephant to solve it, you're going to miss. The only one that can solve it is the lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I can tell you what the answer is, by the way, to Ahab's spirit. I'm actually in it right now. No, literally, I'm like, that's not like figuratively speaking. I'm actually literally in the answer right now. No, you. No, no, I mean like this church. No, no, I mean I look around. You, you, no, you, no, let me explain. It's a little bit controversial, but we have to stand up and say it. There is no such thing as a white church, a black church, a brown church, a yellow church, a red church. There's only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot, no way, no how prevail against her. That spirit of Ahab is alive and well. The spirit of Jezebel, oh, she's nasty on steroids. It's alive and well, persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to silence the children of the cross. Jezebel represents a manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, corrupt cultural spirit with complete intentionality of silencing the prophetic voices. Wherever there's a prophetic voice, the spirit of Jezebel will be around lurking. The spirit of Jezebel has one agenda. Of course, she constructs the Asherah poles. Her agenda is to silence the oracles of righteousness and justice. Oh man, Revelation 2.20, this one thing I have against you, you have tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. And then we have Baal. The spirit of Baal, that false ideology in the old covenant, demanded child sacrifice. It's, it's about putting an end to children in the womb and in the streets. And now, unfortunately, even in the schools. And, and that there's a spirit coming out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and other things that I shouldn't be saying in California because they're politically incorrect. Listen to me carefully. There is an attempt by Baal. There is a spirit like never before coming after our children. We have never seen this before. There has never, ever been before such an assault on our children. And, and it's coming, and it's not just physical and violence. It's ideological, it's teachings. It's, it's, it's social constructs. There's, we need the church to rise up. Kumbaya Christianity has to come to an end. We need the church to rise up and in the name of Jesus say, Get your hands off our children. Get your hands off our children. Get your hands off our children. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But here's a deep seminary endorsed, biblically contextualized, Hebrew exegetically substantiated phrase. All the years of seminary for this, don't drink the Kool-Aid. What does that mean? I've traveled around the world, even after COVID, even, even in the midst of COVID, I'm still traveling. That's not the point right now. But, but, but there is a spirit alive today, more powerful than all the spirits I just mentioned. The most powerful spirit alive today is not Ahab. The most powerful spirit in California, in America, in every nation, every continent is not the spirit of Jezebel. The most powerful spirit alive today is not the spirit of Baal. <laughs> the most powerful spirit on the planet is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. If you have that spirit, praise like you have that spirit. If you have that spirit, worship like you have that spirit. If you have that spirit, act like you have that spirit. If you have that spirit, pray like you have that spirit. If you have that spirit, live, give, serve, forgive like 
you have that spirit. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Say of the Lord, Zechariah 4, 6. We are empowered by that spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are emancipated by that spirit. We are 2 Corinthians 3.17. We are temple of that spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16. We are to be driven by that spirit, not by the flesh. Galatians 5.16. We are to be filled with that spirit. Ephesians 5.18. We are anointed with that spirit. 1 John 2.27. And we are defined by that spirit. Romans 8.11. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Which means if with that spirit Jesus came out of the tomb, you can come out of everything. 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 And, and one final note about the spirit real quick. And, not, and again, not, this is real. We're not streaming, are we, Pastor? We are? Oh, thank you. The words of the Texans, bless your heart. <laughs> I'm not getting into what happened during COVID. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a lamb's agenda guy. And so I'm just, but, 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 but it's important to know that in this state, the, the, our governor and bless his heart, um, <laughs> uh, he, he did, he did issue executive decree. Go do your Google due diligence. Make sure I'm not making this up. Where, where, of course, churches were not essential, but he went beyond that. And he said, through executive fiat, he said that, that I, you, that it was illegal via the conduit of executive decree. I hereby prohibit the gathering even in homes, in my casa, that we couldn't gather in our homes and have any sort of religious faith worship expression. He prohibited the following things in my house. Worship, praise, song, and chanting. The chanting part killed the Rodriguez's. <laughs> Everything else, man, but we, we wake up every morning, we get together and go, ah. Uh. <laughs> he, 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 never before in American history has any politician ever said, you can't sing in your home. I mean, I mean it was so bad that the Chinese government said, yo, we don't even go that far. Like, wow, we like, wow, that's pretty bad. That's just, and, and all, I just want to make it clear because regardless of what happens and what happens and stranger things are happening and strange, it just, I just, we are streaming. Great. I just want to make it clear. There, there's not an executive order, a Supreme Court decision, a legislative initiative, a law. I don't care if it's an act from Congress. There is nothing that will ever have the power to stop God's spirit from moving. You can't stop the spirit of God from moving. You can't stop the power of God from being made manifest. It is the mantle of the spirit. It is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. Somebody say drought, fire, and rain. That mantle was upon the prophet Elijah when he, that's why I alluded to previously, he prayed for a drought and it took place. Then he prayed for fire. 1 Kings 17, 1, 1 Kings 18, 38, 1 Kings 18, 41. Drought, fire, and rain. The mantle that I'm referencing is not a mantle for you. What's coming your way, the anointing, a fresh infusion of the spirit is not for you to take a selfie and go, I'm anointed. <laughs> no. It's for you to survive the drought, go through the fire, and then emerge as the benefactor of God's abundant rain. But here's the funny part about this. We, I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to assume anything. If you, if you have been through at least one drought, be it in your family, in your home, in your ministry, in your calling, in your health, in your finances, be it if you've been through at least one drought in your life, raise one hand. If you've been through a couple of measurable droughts that, that marked you, that you remember, raise both hands. If you've been through so many droughts, you've lost count, raise both hands in a fight. All right, how about this? If you've been through so many droughts and if I Google the word drought, the algorithm will automatically take me to your Instagram account. We've all been through droughts, but here's the chronological order of 1 Kings 17 and 18. It's drought, fire, and rain. There are people that wanna go from drought to rain without going through the fire. And you need to understand that the God of the process is the God of the outcome. You'll get that by tomorrow morning. He is the same God. You can't bypass the process. 
So if you want to get to the rain and you're in the drought, you're going to have to go to the fire. What's the fire part? It's Matthew 3, 11, of course. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with so in the author of the book of Hebrews, he is a consuming fire indeed. The fire of God is the season in your life where God removes, it's a sanctifying fire. It's a purifying fire. God will remove ideas, thoughts, habits, inclinations, some generational realities that have followed your family trajectory. And it's God saying, I'm going to purge some things away from you. I'm going to remove something from you. Even the way you talk, the way you think, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Growing up in a Pentecostal church, I grew up in a Latino Pentecostal church. So we used to sing a song. You wouldn't know this song, but manda fuego, señor, manda fuego, señor. Which means in English, manda fuego, señor, manda fuego, señor. And so, I, but it was like, Lord, it was an like Andre Crouch sort of derivative song. It's like, Lord, send your fire, Lord. And wait, wait, the fire of God don't make you dance. It doesn't. The fire of God gets you on your knees in repentance. It does, it, but, but here's the news. The fire of God not only removes stuff from inside of you, on many occasions, the fire of God will remove people from around you that would have held back the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life. It's uncomfortable, but you have to go through it. So here it is. If you've been through your drought and you've been through your fire, if I were you, no joke, I have the biggest smile on my face because the next thing, the next thing coming your way, the next thing about to hit your family is nothing less than God's abundant rain. If that's you, I want you to shout, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. If that's you, say, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. Hey, Turlock, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. It's the sound of abundant rain. Oh, one little side note on that. Those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. Let, let, me, let me land this. Let me land this. Are there any questions? All right. N number three, it is the mantle of truth with love. What does that mean? All right, listen carefully. This is, this, this is a Netflix series. This is one of the most, arguably speaking in the Old Covenant, one of the most tragic times or moments, a little snapshot that, that breaks you every time you read it. It's 1 Kings 18, 21, the prophet of the man to Elijah. He looks at God's people and says, enough is enough, I'm tired of this. Everyone's listening to Ahab and Jezebel and that crazy God Baal stuffy stuffy. Let's do this. So he meets with them, Mount Carmel. It's, it's a movie, man. Here's the prophet. He goes, enough is enough, let's do this. How much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. What say ye? One of the most tragic responses. The Bible says, God's, this is God's chosen people. You would expect them to say, we're with God, the Lord, the God of Abraham. No, the Bible says one of the most tragic things. And the people of Israel said nothing. They didn't choose Ahab and Jezebel. They just refused to choose because it would be politically incorrect. I refuse to post anything that elevates truth and love and biblical values because it may prompt people to unfollow me. So I'm gonna just keep, I'm gonna keep myself here and not get involved into stuff that's, and, and today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll repeat that. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. You are what you tolerate. In your family, in your home, within yourself, in your community, in your generation, you are what you tolerate. Number three, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. There isn't. Number four, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. And number five, we have to reconcile our eschatology over our missiology. 
which means if you give me this line, oh, Pastor Sam, you're wasting your time because Jesus is coming and things are going to get darker. So it doesn't matter if we speak up or not. Things are never going to change because it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, listen, we all believe Jesus is coming. But while we are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. The prophet, this mantle was the mantle of the spirit, the mantle of drought, fire, and rain, and the mantle of speaking truth with love. This mantle is for us to rise up with, with, with something so powerful. Not just love, by the way. Listen, if all we do is preach about love, teach about love, post about love, we're just a bunch of California hippies. <laughs> On the other side of the coin, if all we do is speak truth, then we're a bunch of mathematicians. The moment we speak truth with love, truth in love, and truth for love, we change the world around us. They said nothing. They said nothing. The truth, the truth, the truth about what? The truth about Christ being the only way, John 14, 6. Truth with love. The truth about every single subject. With this mantle, he confronts them. He had an opportunity to be silent, but he didn't. The mantle, the anointing, the, the spiritual authority compelled him in a very difficult moment to speak truth. I've been there to a degree. Not to that level of Mount Carmel, but I've been there. When I was 14 years of age, I was in an Assembly of God church. I'm originally not from California. I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. My home state is Pennsylvania. I'm a Penn State guy, graduated from Lehigh University. Uh, my, my, my parents were not pastors, but they were Christians. Uh, and and I, I grew up as a nerd, as a math nerd. Uh, I'm still, I still believe calculus is the language of God. Um, and so if you failed calculus, get ready for heaven. My point to you is, so like I'm nerd out, I'm a Trekkie. So I may, I, may, I may preach like Kirk, but I think like Spock. And so it's just, there's a logical continuum. I believe that science and faith are part of the same truth continuum. So it's, it's, I don't create a dichotomy between them. But, but 14 years old, I doubted everything. Growing up in, in a Pentecostal charismatic church, I, I doubted the miracle stuff, the tongue stuff to me was like, you gotta be kidding me. People, you know, I go, you, this can't be true. So I'm 14 years old attending that church in, in a place called Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That's why I have a messianic complex. So, and so this, this guy comes in, first time in our church named Bernie Glow, Teen Challenge Ministry, David Wilkerson, Rehearsburg. So he comes from David Wilkerson's ministry, first time in our church, the choir director. He's with the choir up here and he starts singing a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. He stops midstream. This is the 80s now. He stops midstream and he says, Holy Spirit, you are. The Lord says, there, there's, there's a Sammy, a Sammy in this place. The only Sammy was me. By the way, if you ever go to a Latino church and you want to prophesy and not miss, say God has a word for Jose or Maria. I'm just saying, you'll never miss. Right? Am I right? God has a word for Jose. You'll never miss. So, <laughs> Sammy was not a common Latino thing there. No, I'm the only Sammy. The church was a Latino church, very introverted, very quiet. I'm sorry, that's the opposite. So I'm back there, the church goes, ahí está el muchacho. Which means what? Ahí está el muchacho. So help me, I, and then my pastor Lugo comes over, he says, Sammy, that's you, it's you. There's only one me, right? That's you. So I'm coming up, so help me, I'm going, hey man, if that rapture stuff this guy preaches about is for real, let it happen right now. I come up and this guy Bernie who I've never met before looks at me and says oh Sammy you're a you're a young boy you're you're a you're not even a man yet I'm had to, had to hit puberty <laughs> that happened when I was 22 so he looks at me hey, don't judge me so I, that's not the, so he looks at me and and he says 
and, and everything I'm doing now, and I mean everything from the preaching to the mystery around the nations, everything, the platforms, all of that prophesied to me when I was a kid. And, and, and later that, and then he concludes with something that is so ludicrous it makes no sense. You better be on it, prophetic versus pathetic. And he comes along and says, oh, and by the way, the Lord says, you're gonna pray for president of the United States of America. 14 years old. There's a young lady over there that saw us. She was seated right over there. She saw it. She was a couple years older than I. She was right there. She saw it. She said, if this is true, I'm going to wait for that boy to grow up. That's my wife of 32 years. <laughs> Hashtag praise God for the prophetic. And that, that right there is how I got to George Bush who invited me to advise him. And then, so I didn't knock on any door, didn't seek it. God supernaturally made it happen. I was an advisor to George W. Bush. President Obama comes along, I advised him for eight years. And, 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 and it's not that I voted for them. I vote, I have, I'm a super 100% pro-life, pro-religious liberty, biblical justice guy. So I have a, a, a covenant with God about certain things I can't ever support in any way, form or shape. But they brought me in and then President Trump brought me in. But when President Obama came in in 2008, they brought me in and I participated in the inaugural prayer ceremony at St. John's Episcopal Church. Uh, that's, that's, that's not Obama, that's Trump. Uh, but, and so in, when Obama came in, I, I participated myself, Yolanda Adams, T.D. Jakes, Charles Blake, and Rick Warren. That was in a private ceremony right before that one. So eight years later, fast forward, I get a call. I'm driving here, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm leaving San Rafael, driving towards Sacramento with my wife, we just left a, a Puerto Rican restaurant. They made something called mofongo with shrimp. It's pretty delicious. You got to put it. It's garlic and red. And that's not here right now. That's not the point. So we're driving, and and it's right after the the, the election, and and I'm I'm coming. There's a, and my Bluetooth unknown number. So help me, I don't pick it up, because I always think it's the IRS. So I don't pick it up. I ignore it, and and so I I don't pick it up. And the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, prompted me said, pick it up. I said, pick it up. So I. I'm driving to my wife, Bluetooth, unknown number. God said, no, no, this one you gotta take. We're looking for Reverend Rodriguez. I definitely thought it was the IRS, right? Cause that's when you went. This very formal voice. Hey, we're calling you from the president's transition team to center the inaugural committee. We would like you, the president-elect, would like you to participate in his inauguration. Now, I'm thinking this could be my cousin Paco from the Bronx, right? It's, 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 we all have a, we all don't have a cousin Paco in the Bronx. So I'm thinking, is this a hoax? I really am. I'm thinking, is this for real? The guy was legit, like the voice, the tone, right? And I'm going, all right. And then he convinced me, you know, just you hear it. And then I, I was floored. I'm driving. I'm on the 80 and I'm driving back home. And, and he says, well, Reverend Rodriguez, what, what say you? And I go, well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Please tell the president. And they're like, thank you. I'm honored. What would you like me to do? He says, participate in the inauguration. And I go, no, no, I get that. Well, what would you like me to do? He repeats, participate in the inauguration. So then I went like, would you like me to pray? The guy says, sure, why not? <laughs> would you like me to read scripture? He guy, guy, guy says, sure, why not? And then I, I was about to say, do you like me to raise the offering? But I didn't, I didn't go there. I didn't go, didn't go there. So, so I'm, he, he, you know, it was just, I just wanted to know where and because I already did this, but at the private level, I wanted to get details. So he broke it down and said, Reverend Rodriguez, he kind of got the drift. He says, it's the big stage. Over 1 billion people will be watching around the world. And, and you're going to participate in whatever. So I, I, I responded and I, I said, well, thank you. And he says, well, well you know, Department of Justice, you're going to be vetted and all that. And I've, I've, done, I've gone through that process already. I went, great. He says, all right, well, give me have your email address. And, and then I went, well, hold on a second. He goes, what do you need? I said, I need, I need some time to pray. The guy says, you need time to pray for this? I said, yes, sir. Awkward silence. And then he went like, how much time do you need? <laughs> and I'm looking at myself, because my wife is no longer looking at me. And, and, and I'm, three weeks? He goes, you need three weeks to pray for this. I went, yes, sir. Awkward silence again. Person says, I guess I'll call you back in three weeks. I went, thank you. He went, no, thank you. Beep. 
my wife is not looking at me. I go, honey, call our intercessors, Pastor Carla. You know, release the prophetic krakens. Go ahead, let's pray. Let's pray this here. And my, so, and my wife is not looking. I go, honey, why aren't you looking at me? She turned around. She went, what are you doing? I go, we're praying. I go, she goes, what are you doing? I go, we're praying. She goes, no, no, what are you doing? I go, we're praying. She goes, you're praying. See, our church in Sacramento and LA, our church is 40% Caucasian, which is code word for white. It, it's just code words, just code words. 40% African-American, which means black. And, and 20% Latino and Asian and, and Native American. We still, our church is beautiful. It looks like heaven. My mind was telling me if I do this, I may lose a portion of my church, being honest. And if I lose a portion that's less income, I'm going to have to lay people off. My mind went through a slippery slope of like CEO Sam, right? So my wife looks at me and says, what are you doing? I go, we're praying. She went, you don't need to pray. I go, you don't need to pray? She went, no. She goes, I was there. I go, you were where? She went, when you were 14 years old and God said, you're going to be praying over presidents. There's a time to pray and there's a time to get up and act on what you already pray for. There's a season to pray and a season to occupy the promises of God. So obviously, put the picture up of the inauguration. I'm going to land this. Put the picture up right there. You see, there's right there. The Trumps are there, Obama, the Clintons, the Bidens right there. I was, I was seated behind the bushes. And, and so, I, I was, and George Bush's wife, the bushes. What do you want me to call them? The bushes. So, so I was seated behind the bushes and, and I'm about to go up, by the way, this has also helped me, God. But my, my daughter, Lauren, who is our, our, our creative director at our church, Lauren never disrespected me before, never. I get a text from Lauren right before I go up. I'm nervous, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm like shaking and I'm nervous and I'm about to go up and I get this, this thing from Lauren. Right there, I'm about to go up. I didn't go up yet. They haven't started yet. I'm back here behind the bushes and all of a sudden this message comes in. Dad, shut your mouth. As a good spirit empowered guy, the first thing that came to my mind, spiritual warfare. I'm thinking the devil shows up right before your greatest breakthrough. Of devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I almost spoke in tongues over my iPhone right now and just, just boom. And I text her back, I go, pardon me. She goes, no, dad, you're on Fox News right now. Your mouth is completely open. I can see the back of your throat. It seems I was dozing off and the camera shot got me perfectly. So my kid is telling me, so you're, so 48 hours before, this is about truth and love, the mantle, been there. 48 hours before, a reporter from a very well-known magazine that everybody here would recognize, who was a friend, said, Sam, don't do this. If you do this, you're both on CNN and Fox News. If you do this, you're gonna alienate half the country. People, the Lamb's agenda stuff is gone. People are not gonna like you. The stuff you're doing, and it's gone. Don't do it. I said, I'm doing this. I, you don't, you're not gonna get this. God, this is my assignment. This is God, this is the mantle. And she said, Sam, if you're going to do it, promise me you're not going to mention the name. This is my Mount Carmel moment. And I said, what? She went, you can't. Sam, for 11 years, going on year number 12, there is a, a non-written agreement that the name wouldn't be mentioned. Because if you mention the name, you're alienating everyone who doesn't follow that name. This is America different religious groups. So if you're going to say anything about God, we would like you not to, but if you are, say, use, use the word love instead of God, faith, hope. If you're going to say God, just leave it at God, but don't mention the name. And I said, listen, I, you're going to have to watch. For close to 12 years, the name wasn't mentioned. There were articles about it everywhere. Huffington Post, different decks. All of a sudden, the Cardinal from New York went up, didn't mention the name, and it was my turn. The first time someone who speaks in tongues did an inauguration. First time in American history. 
First time from, uh, from where my parents are from, from Puerto Rico, first time a Starbucks addict. I mean, first time a bunch of stuff came up there. So we walk up, hit the stage, look at the cameras. I read Matthew 5, 14, 16. I'm about to wrap up and I read it and I declared it. If you saw it, you can see it on YouTube. And then I looked up and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just said, do it. Do it. That mantle descended upon me. I could have easily have acquiesced. I was promised so many things that if I wouldn't mention the name, I mean, I was promised things like contracts in Hollywood, television programs, bunch of stuff we were good. If I wouldn't mention the name because it would be eclectic enough that the producers would see me to be so nuanced and whimsical that I would not be one of those freaks. But then I looked at the cameras and the Spirit of God, the mantle fell upon me. And I've been, and, and I've been through the drought, the fire and the rain. And, and, and I thought about the spirit of Jezebel in this generation, the spirit of pain, and all of God just said, do it. So I looked at the cameras and I just couldn't, couldn't sit until looked around and said, and I make this declaration in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ amen the president said amen the members of Congress said amen the people in the crowd said amen no you don't get this we were stream we were live Live, Al Jazeera, BBC, CNN, around the world. Muslim nations, there are nations, and they couldn't censor me, it was too late. They couldn't blot it out. There were cities and people who heard the name of Jesus for the very first time. Why did everybody respond like that? I got texts from all over the world. Why? Believe it or not, there is still power in the name of Jesus. If you believe in that name, shout like you believe in. Praise like Worship like you believe in. There is salvation in that name. There is deliverance in that name. There is healing in that name. There is breakthrough in that name. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Stand where you are standing. Lift up your hands. The response from all over the world. You can Google this, the articles that came out afterwards. All the inauguration becomes a Jesus festival. Oh, the Jesus freaks came out. The, the, the winner of the inauguration is Jesus because his name was mentioned after that. So many times in Franklin and Paula and then on television programs when they put the, Jesus, 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 there is still power in that name, I'm telling you. I sense the Lord. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Jezebel will not have the final word. Baal will not have the final word. Ahab will not have the final word. On a Monday evening, in the sunny hot days in California, I find myself at the Holy Spirit Conference in Turlock, California. And, and I'm gonna tell you what I see. I see a bunch of Elijah's and Elijah's rising. There is power! There is power in that name! Lift up your hands. It is the mantle of the Spirit, the mantle of the drought, fire, rain, the mantle of speaking truth with love. It is the mantle that enables us to lift up the name of Jesus, to magnify the glory of the risen Christ. Oh, there is power. So much power in that name. He changes everything. No other name through by which salvation can come into all mankind but the name of Jesus. The name that is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and there they are safe. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In that name, in that name, in that name. There's a name. Let me speak prophetically right here, right now. In the millennial generation, in generation Z and even the alpha generation 
Jezebel will not have the final word. Baal will not have the final word. Ahab will not have the final word. This is counterintuitive to what you may be reading from Barna and Gallup, but I don't really care. The millennial and the Z generations, they are about to lead a move of God that is gonna make, it's gonna make the Jesus movement look like a rehearsal. We are about to see. I'm gonna wrap up right here after as you stand with me. She said, in 24 hours, you will die. She was so strong and so convinced of it. She gave a timestamp on it. She prophylied. <laughs> 24 hours, you're gonna die. Oh, oh, you would assume, by the way, that Elijah was like really cool. Like, you, you would assume if God answered your prayer for drought and fire and rain, that if someone like spoke bad about you or, or threatened you, you wouldn't care because all you have to do is pray and God does what? He answers. No, you know what Elijah did when he heard about the message? He freaked out. Same thing as running, but that's a theological phrase. Freaked out. He literally left the ministry, no joke. He ends up under a solitary broom tree, depressed. Wanting his life to end. Do your biblical due diligence. He, we finally find him on the side of a cliff coming out of a cave. Things are so bad, God shows up, read it, and God goes like this, Elijah, what are you doing here? When God asks what you're doing there, you're probably lost. <laughs> why did Elijah, why did he acquiesce, surrender? Because the battle was between your mind and your mantle. The battles between the thoughts that run through your head and the calling of God upon your life. The real battles between anxiety and anointing. The real battles between drama and destiny. The real battles between your memories and your imagination. But how many here, not hope, not desire, not aspire, how many know that the battle has already been won? First Corinthians 15, 57, Christ is our victory, therefore do not be moved. All right. 24 hours passed, Elijah did not die. 48 hours passed, the prophet of the mantle did not die. A week passed, he did not die. What if I tell you a year passed, he did not die. What if I tell you a decade passed, he did not die. What if I tell you a century passed? What you talking about, Willis? He did not die. What if I tell you a thousand years passed? He did not die. What if I tell you it's been 2,000? 800 years approximately since Jezebel said you're gonna die and guess who has yet to die I don't know if you get this the Bible says Elijah and Elisha 2nd Kings 2 11 were walking together when a chariot of fire came between them a whirlwind took him up took Elijah up. the next time we see Elijah you know what he's doing he's taking a selfie with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration Matthew 17, 2, the man never dies. Do you know what this means for you and I? I don't care what the devil has declared upon you, your family, your children, your health, your destiny, your generation, this nation. When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Which means the opposite will take place. I dare you to raise your right hand, repeat after me. Whatever hell has declared upon me, my family, the opposite will take place. Do you have any idea what that means? If the enemy has declared that your children will be lost in perpetuity, it only means get ready. Your prodigal sons and daughters are about to come back home like you've never seen them come back home again. Somebody praise like you believe it and shout like you believe it. Somebody worship like you believe it. The opposite will take place. If you really believe that, raise your hands. I sense God. The opposite will take place because Hebrews 10, 23, we rest assured that he is faithful to keep his promise. First Thessalonians 5, 24, he who called you is faithful to do it. 
the opposite will take place the word of god will never fail luke 1 37 the opposite will take place in your in your home in your family in your faith in your health the opposite will take place you're gonna see you're gonna see the fulfillment of god's promise you're gonna see not what jezebel has declared but what god has ordained for your life there is a mantle there is a mantle there's a mantle because when your integrity is more important than your influence nothing can stop you when you are driven by anointing rather than ambition nothing can stop you when your hunger for righteousness is greater than your fear of criticism nothing can stop you and when your praise speaks louder than your pain nothing can stop you Real quick, lift up your hands. Here's a word for somebody right here. Your trauma just became your testimony. Right here, right now, your trauma just became your testimony. Right here, right now, right now, right now. Everything changes. Everything changes. Harvest, right here in this conference are a bunch of Elijahs and Elishas. Oh, about to rise up with a mantle like you've never seen before. Elisha did not inherit Elijah's fears, depression, or anxiety. Elisha only inherited from Elijah his what? His mantle. Put a smile on your face. Your children will not inherit your sins. I'm going to repeat that. Your children will not inherit your sins. Your children will not inherit your mistakes. Your children will not inherit your failures. Your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, they will inherit your mantle. We don't have time and we don't have room, but we're gonna do it anyway. Uh, so that's it, that's the story. Are there any questions? Um, Elijah found Elisha pushing a plow, places the mantle, follow him, Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho and Jordan, and then whoop, and then the, and the, and the, hmm. That's the story. And Elisha was pushing a plow when Elijah went, hmm, 1 Kings 19, 19. Uh, so by the way, if, if, you've, if you've never pushed a plow, don't expect to carry the mantle. Um, uh, the mantle is for those that know how to push the plow in your family, in your home, in your faith, the plow pusher. If you're binging on Netflix and swiping, don't expect a new mantle. But if you know what it is to push that plow, get ready. There's a mantle of promotion coming your way that's about to change your life. So I'm gonna count to three. If there's anyone here who says, Pastor Sam, I want that mantle. That mantle of the Spirit, that mantle of drought, fire, and rain. That mantle of truth and love. That mantle of when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. Even the mantle, the mantle, the mantle of promotion. That mantle, I want that. that man, I want my children to inherit the mantle. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. If you want to let go of your plow and pick up your mantle, come out of your seat and join me here. Ready? One, two, three. If you had to think about it, it's not you. But come up quickly real quick let's go quickly 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 there's a mantle there's a mantle of promotion there's a mantle there's a man a fresh anointing a fresh infusion of the Spirit of God a fresh infusion of God's precious spirit that will mark you that will define you in this generation come on come on get your mantle get your mantle lift up your hands